Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, church family. So I wanted to start off sharing with you, there was this sweet older lady that I knew out in San Diego. She had um, just such a heart for bringing the gospel to people, but in particular, to Colombia. She had a heart for the people of Colombia and what was going on down there. And uh, it's a rough country if you don't know a whole lot about what happens in Colombia, but there's massive guerrilla warfare, there's massive uh, sex trafficking, human trafficking, and then many, many drug cartels pass through uh, Colombia. And she would love to go share the gospel with the Colombian people. However, every time she got on a plane and flew from San Diego down into Colombia, she'd go through excruciating pain. She had this inner ear condition that anytime the plane would get above a few thousand feet in altitude, it'd feel like somebody was stabbing her with an ice pick in the ear. And she pretty much had to endure that the entire flight there and the entire flight back. And people would ask her, how do you do it? And she said, I just keep remembering the final destination. And the final destination makes it all worth it. Getting to be with those people and sharing what the Lord was doing um, with those people and getting to be a part of what the Lord was doing with those people. And it made me think of this life. Oh, this life can be painful, extremely painful at times, especially for those that are followers of Jesus. Sometimes we have to go through pain for being a follower of Jesus, but I get reminded daily that the final destination is totally worth it. Whatever it is that we have to endure for Jesus, uh, it's going to be worth it. So today and then for the next two weeks, we get the blessed privilege of looking at our final destination. We're on our last three weeks of Revelation. Uh, many of you already know this, but Revelation... Uh, as well as all of the Bible wasn't originally written with chapters and verses. It wasn't until about 550 AD that the Masoretes came in and they divided up the scriptures with chapters and verses. So really all of Revelation 21 and 22 should just be one big literary unit of thought. But based off time, we're going to have to divide it up in three parts. So um, this morning we're going to be on Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 8. We get to take a look at our future home in our king's kingdom. And it is going to be a blessed home, to say the least. That's what we're going to get to take a look at for the next three weeks. So I'm excited to see what home is going to be like. And Jen mentioned it earlier this morning, but we're foreigners in this land. Um, This is not our home. This is not the place where we're supposed to be comfortable. This is not your best life now, and it's not meant to be. Our best life is coming. So as we take a look at what our best life is going to look like, would you just do me a huge favor? Would you stand with me just as we honor Jesus Uh, as king, and we read Revelation 21. We've just got the first eight verses this morning. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. 
The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Thank you, gang. One thing that we're going to unpack, and it's going to be the same one thing for the next three weeks, is that our future home with Jesus is going to make this present journey worth traveling. We're going to see that in three parts uh, in Revelation 21 and 22. This morning on November 5th, we got Revelation 21, 1 through 8. We're going to take a look specifically at the people of heaven. What are the people going to be like? Next week on November 12th, we're going to do Revelation 21, verse 9 through chapter 22, verse 5, and we're going to specifically unpack the place. What is the place going to be like that we're going to experience? And then we're going to wrap up Revelation on November 19th with chapter 22, verses 5 through 21, and that's going to be all about the promises that Jesus is going to bring us. So you know ahead of time, just pretend like you're in awe next week when I give you your blanks because you already know the answers. But we're going to take a look at the people, we're going to take a look at the place, and we're going to take a look at the promises that we have awaiting us when we get to heaven. In fact, those are the very ways that we're going to persevere on the journey and prepare for our final destination. Now, around here at New Covenant, we like to be real people. Let's just be honest with each other. And in asking a question, I want you to be honest. Have any of you all felt, maybe the past week, the past month, the past year, I'm just ready to throw in the towel? Have you felt that at all? It's okay to be honest. I know we're supposed to say all the right things as Christians, right? No, 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 God is good. I'm fine. I'm just going to trudge you. I'm going to put my head down, and I'm going to press on. Come on, but if we're being real with each other, have we not ever had those days where we've thought, Lord, just come now. Just take me now. However it is you want to do it, Lord. If you want to have me just drop dead, let's just do this thing. If you want to rapture me even better, let's do this thing. But have you been there before where you're just wearied and you're just like, I'm ready to be done? Well, I'm praying, I'm hoping that over the course of the next three weeks, you'll have some renewed sense of joy, some renewed sense of energy from knowing what it is that awaits us once we get to heaven. So here we go. How do I persevere on the journey and prepare for the final destination? Part one comes in verses one and two. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Here's what we're going to do this week. Get to know the people. This is what's going to make heaven, heaven. Now let me first off start with saying this. Jesus is the one that's going to make heaven, heaven. Of all the people we're going to meet in heaven, it's going to be Jesus that's going to make it of utmost glory. It's going to be his majesty that we're going to behold. We're going to fall down on his, at his feet and we're going to have perfect, intimate fellowship with him. Listen again to the words of John. Go to verse 3 with me. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. What we're about to see is that the residents are going to have perfect intimacy with God. Now it's interesting that this verse starts with saying a loud voice, which means this is important. Pay attention. Then it says that God is going to dwell with us. That Greek word for dwell literally means constancy. 
or to be with someone forever. The verb tense for dwell that's used there means that it's happening now and it's going to happen forever. We're going to forever be in intimacy with Jesus. In fact, there's two types of closeness. There's proximity and there's intimacy. We get to have both when we get to heaven. Proximity-wise, we get to actually walk with the one who died for us. Try to picture this for a moment, and maybe you haven't thought about it a lot, but did you know that Jesus, when, when he took upon a body, now understand this about Jesus. This is what we call Christology when we're studying this in seminary courses and stuff. Jesus has always existed. He doesn't have a beginning. This is where cults and false religions have gotten it wrong. Jesus is God Almighty. He is part of the Godhead Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have all existed for all of eternity. So Jesus didn't get created. He's not a created being that came on the scene when the Holy Spirit overshadowed or impregnated Mary. That's just when he took upon a body. But here's what's mind-boggling about all this. Jesus taking upon a body is a body that he took on forever. So when we get to heaven, we will see him in his glorified, resurrected bodies. We will see the nail scars in his wrists, and we will see the nail scars in his feet, forever being reminded of just how loved we really are. You want to talk about close intimacy? That's awesome. We're going to get unhindered fellowship with the king who came and died for us. There's a guy named Dr. James McDonald. He wrote a great little book called Gripped by the Greatness of God. It's really all about Isaiah's encounter with God Almighty. God calls Isaiah to the prophetic ministry. Isaiah is nothing special. Just about everybody that God called in Scripture was nothing special. Most of them were either shepherds or fishermen, or you meet guys like Matthew, who ends up being a tax collector, and Isaiah gets this calling from God, and Isaiah's going, wait a minute, I'm nothing special. You don't have much to work with here. And God says, that's just the way I want it. That way I get the glory. And then God reveals himself to Isaiah and he begins to show him his awesomeness, just how awesome God is. But not only does he show him how awesome he is, he also shows him that he's a loving God that actually walks closely with him in intimacy. Listen to this. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. It says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. In just a few sentences, uh, James McDonald does a really good job of explaining this passage. He says, God is a shepherd scooping up his lambs and carrying them close to him. God provides special treatment for special needs. At certain times, your shepherd would say, this one is hurting. Be careful of his wound. We're going to have to carry her for a while. This tender arm of God reminds us of his unique and personal care for us. God has two arms. One arm is mighty and powerful, demanding holiness and righteousness. One arm tenderly cares for the weak and the wounded. Almighty and tender, one awesome God. Now, God doesn't have literal arms. Jesus taught clearly in Scripture that God is spirit, but this is speaking of his character and the characteristics that he has. He is almighty God. He is a warrior. He has no fear of his enemies. He will take them down with the word of his mouth. But then on the flip side, he's also an intimate and tender shepherd who picks up his lambs that are hurting, and he carries them. McDonald goes on further in describing the awesomeness of God and the fact that God is so awesome that we can find our shelter in him. He says, in the Bible, God's awesomeness and his name, Almighty, often go together. Almighty is translated El Shaddai in Hebrew, which literally means God of the mountains. 
Every time you read about God Almighty, think of his mountain-like majesty, in whose presence there is a secret place or a shadow. In his awesomeness, you can also find shelter. When the psalmist needed protection in times of need, he went to God, his awesome mountain of safety. You too have this place of refuge in God's awesomeness. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Again, a reminder that that does not mean physical protection for us this side of heaven. In fact, it might mean quite the opposite. We might have to go through a beating and eventually die for our faith in Christ. But we will one day arrive at our future home, our final destination, and then we will be in the shadow of the Almighty or the protection of the Almighty forever. Oh man, I can't wait for heaven. The more I study Revelation 21 and 22, and as these next three weeks go by, I hope you begin to get this sense of awe and excitement like I've been getting as I've been studying through this passage. I can't wait to get there. I don't have a death wish, but I can't wait to get there. Look at Revelation 21 verse 4. What's going to happen when we do get there? He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The residents will no longer experience the effects of sin. So heaven's going to be glorious, not just because of who and what will be there, but also because of what won't be there. All sinful people, all sinful deeds are all going to be absent, and therefore the effects of sin are also going to be absent. Sorrow, death, pain, crying, mourning... All of it's going to be gone. It's going to be non-existent when God wipes out the old heaven and the old earth and establishes the new heaven and the new earth. Now, it's important to note chronologically that this is going to happen after the judgments and after the tribulation, which might be part of the reason that we have tears in heaven. I don't know. I've been asked this question many times. Pastor, why are there going to be tears when we first get there? And again, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. I can only speculate a little bit from Scripture. The judgments have taken place. And maybe we know that there are people that we loved and cared about that never trusted Christ. Is that going to bring about some tears? We also know that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And some of our rewards are going to be burned up because we did them for ignoble purposes. We didn't do them for the glory of God, but we did them for accolades. Now again, please don't question your salvation. That has nothing to do with entering into heaven. It has everything to do with the rewards that we're going to get. Is that going to bring about some tears? Maybe. Again, I'm throwing out speculation, so you can thank me later for confusing you even more. I don't know exactly what the tears are going to be for, but I do know that they're going to get wiped away. I also know there's a few other things that aren't going to exist anymore, and I got to go back to verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I used to have buddies from San Diego Y'all know I'm a born and raised San Diego boy. I used to love being at the ocean, boogie boarding and surfing. I could do that all day long. But then I had friends ask me, but there's no more sea? So we don't get to surf anymore? I'm like, okay, time out, relax. There is going to be a river of life, so there's going to be water. If God wants to cannonball, he can make waves. I mean, I don't know. I don't mean to be facetious, but I'm not too terribly worried about that. So what did God mean then when he said there is no more sea? Remember in scripture and in ancient times, the sea often spoke about tribulation, chaos, the nations churning up the waters, um, the breaking waves often having to do with or symbolic of rebellion and sinful nations that are spoken about in the scriptures. All of those are going to be done away with. 
Those rebellious nations, rebellious sinful human nature is no longer going to exist in Scripture. And then we move on to death in verse 4. Death will be no more. It will cease to exist. The tree of life is going to be forever in bloom and it's going to be accessible forever. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned? God set up a guardian cherubim that, that had a flaming sword so that they could not go to the tree of life. And that sounds harsh. God, why are you going to let, let Adam and Eve die? Why not just let them go to the tree of life? Because if they were able to take hold of the tree of life in their sinful state, they'd be living in sin for all of eternity. And do you know what you get when you live in sin for all of eternity? Hell. We just looked at it last week. That's what hell is. It's living in a sinful state dealing with the effects of sin, being ravaged by it for all of eternity. C.S. Lewis wrote about it, and I thought he was nuts when I first read it, but he said one of God's greatest gifts of mercy is death. That separation of the soul from this body that's all messed up and tainted by sin is actually a gracious and merciful gift by God. And then he goes on in verse 4 to say there will also be no more mourning or crying or pain and that's because everything that could bring about sadness and strife and discontentment is all going to get cast into the lake of fire. All of those things that have physically ravaged our bodies from cancer to MS to migraines to COVID to whatever it is that we've ever gotten as far as diseases and sicknesses go, those are all going to be done away with. Those things that have ravaged our emotions and our minds are all going to be done away with. And then we're going to get to go experience an intimate relationship with God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, which leads us to our final point today, which is in verses 5 through 8. Look what happens when we get there. We're going to see he who was seated on the throne, and he's going to say, behold, I am making all things new. And he'll also say, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The residents of heaven... They're going to desire God above all else, and we're going to get to be satisfied in him. God uses that frequently used word that we've seen in Revelation, behold. When God uses the word behold, it means to arrest one's attention. Pay close attention to this. And what does he want us to behold, or what does he want us to pay close attention to? I'm going to make all things new. Creation is going to be radically different. I know that the life that you're living is tough. Now again, remember, we have to read everything in context. When I'm reading this, when I'm reading who it is that John is writing to, his letter is going to get off the island of Patmos because he's exiled there with a bunch of other people that are criminals that are now working probably the mines over there on the island of Patmos. Eventually, his letter is going to get off the island and it's going to make its way back to places like Rome, back to Ephesus, back to all of the Roman-ruled areas of the world and people that are being beaten down for their faith. Those that have been put on poles and then covered in a substance that's highly flammable and then lit on fire just so that they can light up some of the, some of the different emperor's gardens. Their family members are going to get a hold of this letter and go, okay, this is not our home. Let's continue to persevere. Let's continue to hang in there. 
Behold, God is going to make all things new. Death is going to be done away with. Mourning and pain and sickness and crying and all of those things are going to be done away with. But then the Lord takes us also to verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. There's those words again. Very similar to what Jesus cried out from the cross. To tell us die. It is done. It is finished. This time all that God set out to accomplish is completed. Sin has been done away with and cast in the lake of fire. Death has been done away with and cast in the lake of fire. All those that belong to the Lord have been gathered together and brought up to the kingdom of heaven, brought up to God's abiding place where we're going to be with him forever. It's all done. It's all finished. And then he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Remember again who's being written to. People that are suffering greatly for their faith, and yet they are called the ones who overcome or overcomers. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, tell us who the overcomers are. They even include the ones that get beheaded for their faith, beaten for their faith, tortured and imprisoned for their faith. An overcomer is anybody that's trusted Jesus. Because even death can't stop the gospel. Did you know that chains can't stop the gospel? Prisons can't stop the gospel. Crazy politicians that try to tell us that we can't carry our Bibles around anymore or pray in public or whatever can't stop the gospel. Presidents can't stop the gospel. Communist regimes can't stop the gospel. It's going to continue to go forth. Why? Because it goes forth in power because of who is the gospel. It's Jesus. And that's why it'll continue to go forth. Quite possibly the best part of this entire passage was found right here. Look again at verse 7. The one who conquers, I will have, this, will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We get privileged intimacy with the Lord God Almighty. Listen to the words of John in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Listen to the words from the Apostle Paul. Speaking of Rome, he's writing the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, as well as verse 23. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Well, in contrast to the overcomer or the conqueror who's going to get to inherit all these blessings, we're going to get to be a son. The last part of the passage says that the cowards will be thrown into the lake of fire. And it gives a list of eight other evils that get, get mentioned. It describes how the unbelievers act here and now, and then it describes how they will continue to act into all of eternity. Now, there's three words that we have in the English language, will be in. Go back to verse 7 again. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire, or the, uh, the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Those words will be or will be in is what's called the future middle indicative form of a verb. I'll help that make sense. Future meaning that it's going to happen once they get judged and it's going to go on forever goes on into the eternal future. The middle, so we, when we talk of voice in the Greek language, there's the passive voice, which means that something is being done to you. There's the active voice, which means that somebody is doing the action. Then there's the middle voice, that means something is being done to the person, but they are also doing it at the same time. Here's why I bring that up. The person that is said to be a son, the one that is said to be living in righteousness, is only able to act out their righteousness because it was done to them. So do you see how both are happening at the same time? Passively, they're receiving grace, they're receiving mercy, they're receiving righteousness because of what Christ has done. It gets put into them, and now they act out their nature, who they are. But the same thing is happening with the sexually immoral, with the cowardly, with the faithless, with the sorcerers, with the idolaters. These are things that they are because they have allowed those things to take root in their life. And now they're living them out and they're acting them out. And they're going to continue to do them for all of eternity. Now the awesome and blessed news for followers of Jesus is what I just stated. That we are going to be with him for all of eternity. That we're going to get to experience intimacy with him for all of eternity. That we're going to be called sons for all of eternity. That's a special privilege that we have, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ did on our behalf. In closing, let me ask you, can you think of your closest friend in the world? It might be your spouse. Maybe it's somebody that you knew back from elementary school. I want you to think of what makes that person so special. What is it that you just love about them? What makes you desire to be around them? Is it the fact that they love you unconditionally? Is it the fact that they're just a really good listener? Do they just exude joy when you're in the room with them? You just get all kinds of joy. Do they stretch you a little bit and cause you to be a better person of Jesus? Do they just light up your world from being in contact with them? Now, I want you to picture being with somebody for all of eternity that measures up to all of those things and more. They're the perfect listener. They give the perfect advice. They'll never stab you in the back. They will always protect you. They will be a person that will bring you joy every time you're around them. They will stretch you and cause you to grow for all of eternity. Well, that friend exists. That father exists. That king exists. We all know who it is. That's Jesus. Amen. And here's why I bring all of that up. We have to be extremely careful of how much value and worth we put into another person. And I don't mean this in a mean way at all, but stop expecting your spouse to meet all of your needs. Stop expecting your spouse to complete you. I may have told you all this before, but when I do premarital counseling and I ask the young man and the young woman why they're getting married, every time they look at me and go, oh, he or she completes me, I throw up just a little bit. <laughs> That is not what you're getting married for. And listen, I, I know I'm being a big meanie, but did you know 
gentlemen, that your wife will never fulfill every single one of your needs and desires? Ladies, did you know that your husband will never fulfill every single one of your desires and needs? The ladies were a lot quicker to go, amen to that one. (laughs) The guys are smart. They're keeping their mouths shut because they'd go meet Jesus right after this if they said amen. So good thing it was only the ladies saying amen. All that to be said, let me just make this clear. Your spouse will never meet all your needs. I've heard moms and dads say, my kids are my world. That's a dangerous place to be because your world could come crashing down at any moment. If we put our faith and trust in a career, we're in a lot of trouble. If we put our faith and our trust and our hope and our security in a bank account, we're in a lot of trouble because every single one of those things could let us down. But I know somebody who literally spoke the entire universe into existence in six days. Everything that exists, all the cosmos, all the galaxies, all the planets, he spoke all of it into existence. And that's a worldview that makes absolute sense. Because otherwise, everything that exists came from absolutely nothing. However, we know that we have a God that created all things and simply spoke it into existence. I also serve a God that sustains the universe. He keeps the world spinning on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. He keeps our planet in orbit around this yellow giant that we call the sun. He keeps Jupiter right where it's supposed to be so that it absorbs all the asteroids that would hit our planet if it wasn't for that mother planet. He does all of those things day in and day out. Did you know that right now God is making it possible for your respiratory system to continue to take in oxygen and then breathe out carbon dioxide? Did you know right now God is working so that your circulatory system continues to function and your heart continues to beat, pumping literally thousands of gallons of blood through your system day in and day out? Did you know that there's amazing things happening right now behind your head that allows your eyes to see this beautiful specimen speaking in front of you right now? I'm just making sure you're still awake because we're getting close to 1130. That's God working. Those are all the things that our God does, and one day, we're going to get to experience him without eyes that are beginning to get messed up, and without olfactory senses that are beginning to get messed up, and without bodies that are getting older, and without bodies that are decaying. We're going to get to enter into heaven, we're going to get our resurrection body, and we're going to get to experience perfect intimacy with him forever. I can't wait for next week when we take a look at the place, and you get to see what the street of gold, and the river of life, and the foundation stones with the 12 apostles' names on it and the gates of pearl and everything else that's going to be present. I can't wait till you get to see that, but I'm going to keep pointing us back to week one. Don't forget the one thing that makes heaven heaven is not the gates. It's not the pearls. It's not the stones. It's not the street of gold. It's not even the river or the tree of life. It's Jesus, the one that created it all. And then we are going to finish on November 19th, so two weeks from today, with the promises that Jesus makes to those that are his. And we can bank on the fact that those promises are golden. I will tell you now, as your pastor, as a husband, as a daddy, I don't put my faith and trust in this book or in Jesus based off blind faith. We have an actual working, knowledgeable, logical faith in the God who created the universe. And the universe shouts his glory. It shouts his evidence. This book shouts his evidence. And again, I wish that we weren't bound by time. I'd love to hang out with y'all till dinner and take a look at why we can know without a doubt that the book that you have the privilege of picking up tomorrow when you sit down and do your devotions with a cup of coffee and something that's probably not healthy, you can sit down and know that what it is that you're reading, what it is that you're doing, the one that you are spending time with, 
is the creator of the universe who made himself known in the person of Jesus, in his creation, and in his word. All right, I'm getting excited about God's word. Amen? Amen. Dang, I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then I'm going to send you out to go and bring Albuquerque, Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you again and just praise you for a brand new morning. Uh, Lord, even as we stand or sit here and pray, Lord, we think of the amazing things that are happening throughout the universe that can only happen because you cause them to. Lord, you are the causer of life. You are the sustainer of life. You are the one that when this life is over, ushers us all the way home to heaven. And Lord, we so look forward to that day. Lord, in the meantime, while we are living here as foreigners in a foreign land, would you just use us in ways that are beyond what we could ask, imagine, think, or even dream about? Lord, the enemy will creep in, and he will try to remind us of our shortcomings, of our faults, of our sin. And Lord, while there is always half-truth there, we know that we have faults, we know that we have sin issues that we struggle through. We are so thankful that you are our advocate, that you paid the penalty for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of that, you see us as perfected in Christ, and because of that, you are going to allow us into heaven. May we keep our eyes firmly fixed on our final destination, and that way, as we go through the journey, we're able to persevere through much of the difficulty. Lord, whether it be a physical sickness, whether it be something that's ravaging us socially or mentally, would you just continue to remind us that we serve the King of kings, we serve the Lord of lords, that nobody can thwart his plan, that nobody can stop what it is that you want to accomplish. And Lord Jesus, we know that one day you are going to melt all of this with a fervent heat. While we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, we know that you have no problem bringing out of existence those things which are sinful and bringing into existence those things which are brand new. Lord, remind us that the people that we make eye contact with today are going to spend eternity somewhere once this old order of things is done away with. Lord, for those that refuse to trust Jesus, we know that your word says clearly that for all of eternity they will be separated from you. And so, Lord, may our hearts ache and may they break for those that don't yet know you. Lord, for those that do, may we just rejoice in the fact that you saved us when we didn't deserve it. May we leave this place full of joy not because of circumstances, oftentimes in spite of circumstances, but Lord, may we find joy because of Jesus and what he's done in our life, what he is going to continue to do in our lives, and how, Lord Jesus, you continue to walk with us. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this day that you have given to us. Thank you that you have allowed us to get up and worship you. Thank you that you are going to allow us into your heaven because of what you did on our behalf. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your mighty name that we all pray together. Amen. Amen. Gang, Thanksgiving season is upon us already. Advent is going to be upon us in about four weeks already. Every day and every week is a great time to tell people about Jesus, but this time of year just seems like there are doors that are more open than normal. Take advantage of that. Over the course of the next couple months and into the next upcoming new year, Tell everybody that you possibly can about Jesus. And remember, keep it simple. There's a God that made them, that died for them, that rose again for them, and desires to have intimate relationship with them. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. Are we ready to bring it to Albuquerque? Gang, have a good week. We'll see you next week.
This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us.